Hi Cult Hackers, before we start this week's episode with Frankie Tees from the Frankie Files podcast, there are a couple of things that I wanted to tell you about. Firstly, Frankie talks in this episode very emotionally about her experience of abuse within the Morningland Church, which is the group she was a member of. So I wanted to make you aware of this before you listened as she talks about the abuse she suffered as a child and young woman as well as the pain of lost family relationships. Also, after I'd edited the episode, I reached out to Frankie to offer to let her listen to the episode before we released it because of the emotional content. But she very generously said, no, there's no need. She's happy for the episode to be released. So I just wanted to say thank you to Frankie for that. Now, also, it was one of those recordings beset with technical difficulties. So I still marvel that we're able to speak to people from all around the world using technology inside a couple of laptops, but it doesn't always play fair. So we had a wicked delay during the conversation, plus we couldn't hear Frankie all that well some of the time due to connectivity issues. So the audio was uploaded fine, so when we listen back to the sound it's absolutely fine, but during the conversation it was difficult at times so I've tried my best to edit out all of those and very finally towards the end of the recording we lost the audio for Frankie altogether it just sort of disappeared into the ether so we did have the conversation but we just lost the recording so that's the bit at the end where we say thank you very much it's been great having you on the show and Frankie said thank you very much and so on and so on and we talked briefly about her podcast so we've lost that unfortunately so the episode ends a bit sharply but rest assured we did say goodbye to each other and Frankie was fine and again I'd like to thank her for coming on to the show and if you want to check out her podcast it's called the Frankie Files and there's a link to it on the show notes. Okay, so that's all out of the way. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. Here's the episode. Hello, cult hackers, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Celine, a media graduate and interested in cults. And I'm Stephen Mather, organisational psychologist, also interested in cults, and was raised in a cult. So we're very happy to welcome Frankie Tees onto the podcast today. Frankie is the creator and the host of the Frankie Files podcast, which focuses on cults, mind control and sexuality in society. Uh, now, Frankie spent most of her formative years at the Morningland Church at Long Beach, California from the age of 8 to 22 years old and has a lot to say about it. And we're here to hear it. So welcome, Frankie, to the Cult Hackers podcast. Greetings. So it would be great to hear a little bit about your story uh, first, Frankie, if that's okay. okay. So tell us who you are and um, yeah, what, why you're interested in this subject. You bet. I'm glad to connect with Cult Hackers. Love the family element. Just got to say, because <laughs> this motivation I have is to talk about family separation and cults which happened to me. And so I, yeah. I'm in the States, as you know, I'm across the pond over here. Hello through the tunnel <laughs> time zone and everything. Here we are. We can, it's magic. Yeah. It's the internet. <laughs> so yeah, I started this year. Um, well now last year, 2022 speaking, uh, 
it was quite a journey to get to that decision. As you can imagine, mm-hmm. I spent, mm-hmm. uh, as you mentioned, so thank you for those details, from 8 to 22 inside a religious cult, which was considered new age. They do a, a religious soup of Jesus, Buddha, and Gandhi in multiple other beliefs, including multiple occult and even I would now learn later dabbling in witchcraft and these things were being done to me and I didn't have any knowledge. So my mother mm-hmm. was intrigued by uh, belonging to a group. She had a bad experience with organized religion and wanted to seek an alternative. So non-denominational church looked interesting to her. And in California, they were on every corner in the 70s. So, you know, mm-hmm. so time frame. We're talking 74, guys. I'm ancient. Oh, wait. Co-host Mather is too. Okay. So we're kind of old. <laughs> we're in our 50s. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Some of us here. Yeah. So but, I, it's, yes. it's, um, it's, it's a time, though, when there was a lot of stuff going on, wasn't there, around um, California with all these alternative right. beliefs. And I guess it was one of those, was it? Correct. And, you know, you, you have the Synanon in one corner, you got Scientology, you know, around us. Um, and, and it wasn't unusual. So you've got astrology, candles, <laughs> crystals. Um, it's sort of a hodgepodge and new age is mm. that. So, but it is also kind of fundamental. Um, there was extremism, there was strictness, there was seclusion. You know, the things that you read about in some of the religious cults, like uh, in India, whatnot, you know, it is your life. You develop a, a full group personality only, and you're dedicated to the master. And I was. So so to do a timeline for you, because I think the timelines are always very interesting for each of us. Yeah, beautiful, um, yeah. Right. So we're in northern uh, Long Beach. North Long Beach is really down to earth, very working class. I would go to say also poor, you know, we live next Mm -hmm. to a project. And my mom's also like a civil worker. She's doing a very difficult job uh, as a single mom. And she had no chance of reconciling with uh, our father. So she went to go it alone, but she had uh, some good relationships throughout those were eliminated by the time she got to Morningland. In essence, we were eight. My twin sister and I, redhead twin, we look exactly alike. <clears throat> and I think that was attractive to lots of people. We were little showgirls, you know, just being asked questions mm-hmm. and pointed out all the time. And we kind of got used to this excessive attention. It's a bit much, you know. And also mm-hmm. people kind of show what jerks they are as humanity, you know asking stupid things about redheads and so i I had all that going on and and then at eight my mother was invited to a place called parents without partners it's like a roving group that supposedly helps parents without partners right and maybe dating because there was no dating apps i don't know but you're gonna laugh you're gonna laugh because they invite us to have free pizza at Mm. A, a neighborhood pizza place like Pizzagate, right? And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. other kids mm-hmm. and single parents are are met at Parents Without Partner Meeting by three women dressed in white who begin mm. to do astrology readings. 
When I think about well, it now, astrology and pizza. it's a real experience. It's <laughs> freaking out. But it was like, this is normal at the time, I guess. And I was like, uh, you know, getting, getting this soul searching astrology answers. Mm, I'm intrigued. So she wanted to take some classes, but this is not near our home. When I think about the net, because I know um, I spoke with you, Stephen, about Jehovah's Witness and the campaigning, mm-hmm. the recruitment. Okay, these guys too. Mm-hmm. So they had a little recruitment angle going. And then we go to the church, which is 20 minutes, maybe as many miles away. <laughs> it's not like, you know, the neighborhood. So, yeah, sure. we go to this church. It's all white. Everything's all white and purple. Beautiful music. Mm-hmm. Tarot readings, plush carpets, just like I entered another world and it's heavenly. It's beautiful. I feel things I never felt before and just like a glee, a general glee, you know, and um, that you've seen multiple documentaries of what that that kind of surrounding looks like. Love vomiting, you know, they call it. It's to get your attention. To disarm mm-hmm. you, make you feel safe. And my mom was like, my children will be safe here. So it, it worked, I guess. We'll start there. Yeah. That's AJ. So, yeah. So pizza and the tactic then is, is attract you with pizza and right. astrology. Right. Um, and then get you to the building, which is right. this kind of strange ethereal mix of I don't know. No, um, of religions and yeah. other sort of spiritualist things. Yeah. Mm. Make you feel really at home and comfortable. Right. Yeah. Oh, and mm. attracting, I guess, targeting people that they think are a bit vulnerable or, or perhaps looking for something. Um, hence, Definitely. single mothers, I suppose, <laughs> in those days, you might think you right? know, that's a good... It's like, where's the... Where's mm. the uh, Where's the logic? So single moms, resources you need to donate to a cult for readings? Frankie, tell us a bit about the, I'm always fascinated by this. It's a bit off topic in a way, but I'm always fascinated with the belief systems. In some respects, it doesn't matter because it's not what people believe. It's what they do. I suppose that really matters. But I Mm -hmm. am just genuinely fascinated by these belief systems. So what was the, the, the doctrinal position of Morningland Church? So, okay, at at 73, it was formed, and we arrived in 74, so it was pretty much, you know, they had their doctrine together, male and female, Italian couple, Donato and Sri Donato, well, Mm -hmm. Sri Patricia at the time. So it was Dan and Patricia Sperato, and they moved from New York. She was already here. They basically, it was a con, it was such a con now that I look back at it. But mm. their belief system is Donato is reincarnation of Christ. Okay. Patricia's here. Sorry, not going in hard. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Did you choke on that? Everybody's the reincarnation. <laughs> Don't forget. Yep. Everybody. How can everybody be the second coming? I always say. Okay. So he's the guy. Yeah. And. <laughs> <laughs> Toss in some spaceships because there's a master spaceship above us in Long Beach, the store, the corner storefront that they had. They say, okay, what? the spaceship is above it. And Donato is 
uh, channeling the brother white brotherhood <laughs> red flag. Now I know. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Two words you never want to hear the same <laughs> But I didn't know the term. It was registered at that time as white brotherhood. Like there's other people maybe donating or on the corporate board or whatever. So, so mm-hmm. I do wonder about the money behind this place because there's sustainability now 50 years. So in essence, mm-hmm. he is the second coming. You must listen to him. And he would do these tricks and slowing down people's hearts, reading their palms, reading their minds, astrology, everything Mm -hmm. you can imagine. And he was this, you know, young ish, 40 something handsome, charismatic cult leader. No doubt about it. A lot of seminars. They had those boxes, right? Yeah, absolutely. He'd done his homework and they were also, Mm Right alongside of Jonestown saying, like them, we're the cult of cults before the the disaster took place, they would compare themselves. It's mm-hmm. like spooky to look back at. Oh, wow. Membership was mm-hmm. around two to 300, then expanded to Escondido and Long Beach. So again, the second coming of Christ, he had all female leaders like Krishna um, around him, gopis, mm-hmm. uh, supposed to be 10. I don't know what number they eventually had, but it was it was like eight or nine. And now we found out that there was somewhat of a harem going there, just like the Krishna uh, set up in uh, Hinduism, which is that this order of gopis, which they named after the Krishna. So there you're looping in Hinduism and then you're looping in uh, biblical because Morningland established themselves in Long Beach due to the latitude and the longitude aligning directly opposite of Jerusalem. They bought a synagogue eventually up the street, and that became the whole entire city block now is Morningland community. But so you've got Spaceship, Jesus, you've got um, New Age, anything. So all of the scientific New Age arts, numerology, uh, astrology, orology, I don't know the term there. Um, and, and stuff about like auras, like if your aura was blue or red or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what and I would be taught how to see auras. Yeah. I would see them. I later right. wondered if there was acid in the water and various things at this establishment because I later learned that some of the initiates right. – Donato had one who groomed me, a 14 year old, dropped acid with him for her initiation. So there was drugs. Mm. I don't, I was never given them over, yeah, but there was some drugs there and I don't know about. So it's pretty kooky, yeah, I right? Guess that would help with all of this to get people believing it because <laughs> seeing is believing. Trying to if reconcile know, if you don't know that what you're seeing is, yeah, you know. I guess. But before this time period in America, it was very Christian. And then there was an explosion of Eastern philosophy. So I think it was room for grift. People didn't know what to make Mm. of it, you know, and it was so exciting. You hear about yourself, predictions about the future. They would tell us in our very first astrology reading, my sister and I, that we have different paths. It's like, you're going to make sure of that, aren't you? I mean, we were so close. We finished each other's sentences. We sang together without mm-hmm. rehearsing. 
it was amazing. We we were musicians from age like four. So so some of this talent was already there and they saw it and they wanted to abscound it, you know, and they did. Right. But the the hints and the and the manner of telling my mom directions of what she should do with our lives never stopped. That was from day one. Yeah. So philosophy is Eastern and peaceful, quote, you know, Gandhi as in nonviolence. But um, they also would throw in this psychological stuff that Scientology did, uh, clearing, Mm. clearing the planet, clearing your mind, clearing yourself of old tapes. So there was some I am. Uh, The only person I see ever covering that is Joseph Zimhart, S-Z-I-M. H-A-R-T. He's an amazing um, archaeologist on, uh, sorry, not the word, cult specialist on the history, you know, of it. Well, this I am thinking was so big then. There's books, there's a whole cult. And she would borrow all of that. We would do meditation, singing, chanting. There was a lot of that group glee experience. You'd have the transcendental experience. You'd have healings. And then they would have you write a testimony saying, I was healed of this and that. So I was healed. My mother was told she was healed of being a bad mom. They did the manipulation on people to tell them what they were healed of. First, they tell you, you're a bad person. For my mom, she was a bad parent. Here's a single mom trying to do everything she knew how to do to raise us quite well. She did. She got a good job. She did great. And... (laughs) They push all of our family members away saying, you know, you need to isolate and then began to work on her telling her she was a bad parent. They're going to take over parenting us. And they did. They pushed her away and she began to get scared that we would favor them. And then we did. And it worked. So Mm -hmm. she, we, they got our ear real young. So that the first initiation was at age 10. As you know, that's like trying to create another personality. So we were initiated and name change at age 10. We we're both, all three of us, right. in fact, the, the mom too. And then we were at 12, we were brought into the inner circle to begin playing music in all of the ceremonies and special events and other altar girl duties. And at age 14, we were then initiated into an inner circle called the daughters of Isis. That's when the grooming, sexual grooming began. So they had a goal. At 14. It's clear to me now. Clear to me now that there was a grooming and a slightly nudging, just noticeable mm. differences taking place in our lives that, you know, poor mom, defenseless, she came for help. And she got used, mm. eaten up as they do. Mm. Yeah. It's pretty grim <laughs> to discuss, but trafficking can, can I, is grim. It's, it's, it's awful. Um, can I just pick up on a couple of points there, Frankie? I just want to highlight that I found yes. interesting in, in that description. Yes. So um, one of the things that we've come across um, a lot in, in our interviews, and, and also when I spoke to uh, Min Grob, who is a, a, a peer researcher into coercive control within mm. relationships, is this way that coercion, this coercion approach is, first of all, it's the love bomb, you know, you're wonderful. And yeah. then it's yeah. the 
you're useless you're no good at anything you're a bad person mm. um and it's kind mm-hmm. of destroying your confidence um and that's kind of the the playbook and again we're hearing it here that you know you're and then it's the isolating from your other friends and your support network until in the end you Mm -hmm. have only this authority figure that is the person that is there to save you from the very thing that they've set up in the first place um it is classical coercive control isn't it and it's it's awful Mm. nailed it yeah, yeah. And, and it is it is this is why we're all doing this right to 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 highlight mm. put that that clear highlight on hello you can dress it up as new age or catholicism jehovah's witness you could dress it up as flds yeah. it's the same you are bad mm. you're going to do what we say mm. and if you don't you're going straight to hell. <laughs> we were going to go to hell and have karmic retribution as well. For if if mm. you leave, by that time, the guilt is thick. You know, and it's like a chess game. They would use this crazy leader had done her research. You know, she's a person who told us later in private, you know, training of, of like upper echelon and stuff. She tried to go uh, to become a Catholic nun first. And she was rejected. Oops. And so she had a lot of animosity towards religion. She wanted to make her own religion. There's, and there's a caveat I also wanted to mention a little earlier on the timeline. The male leader died at 76 under extremely okay. mysterious circumstances, dot, dot, dot. I am researching okay. this. He died at the lodge in California up in the mountains. And she was the only one there. Hmm. <laughs> and she had an aggressive takeover of all the two locations, Escadita and Long Beach at that time. And about 200 people were cut. That wouldn't be the first time. It was an extremist group. I now know that, mm-hmm. how totalist and fascist and extremist it was. Uh, but I had no idea at the time. So you're right. It was is mm-hmm. a womp, womp, womp playbook. Get you mm-hmm. to subjugate. And then once you're there, you're with others that also will subjugate and they will follow. And then they can be used as tools against you. And this is the stuff that I'm really, when I wrote the book in 21, I wrote the memoir, but it's not published and I'm seeking, you know, a lit agent and the process is is long and lengthy as you may know. But Walking through the whole process like this, being able to see my timeline for the first time in my life, oh, it really reveals the grooming and the process. Like it's it's just too easy for them. I think renaming is interesting as well, isn't it? How a lot of these groups <laughs> yes. give you a new name. Um, so what, what yes. do you think the reason for that is, Frankie? Um, to create an identity that is controllable. You give up your worldly self. I know you're familiar with this concept. (laughs) You give up Mm. your worldly self and you dedicate all to the master. Now you wear white and you're an initiate. So you're, you're uh, equivalent to any um, dedicated, let's see, disciple is the word we used. So your disciple, you have a, and they would give us these little silver pyramids necklaces 25 bucks 
<laughs> they had an on-site the, I have to the pay imagery, for it well. <laughs> yeah, yeah everything was a shakedown uh, including your tithing was still going on but for the kids we would obviously were useful in labor so we from the moment we get out of school we're doing labor we are feeding people we're you know uh, creating things that earn money like these huge garage sales we would have and you know, she so she accrues enough money through all of these events and you know, 300 people at a time. Uh, there's lots of music and entertainment and we're a part of that. And it looks great on the outside. It looks great. It looks fun. It's not. It's psychological torture. It's a sealed in group. It's a, a totalitarian master. It's a fascist cult. And... Um, it dressed itself up as new age. And when I see these new age cults today, I'm so alarmed. You know, love has won. Went off the rails here, um, ending in the leader's death. And that was so similar. And and this whole, you know, Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate is the same kind of thing that I was under. <laughs> when I look back, you know, how yeah. far do you want it to go? Yeah, so mm. so it can be so dangerous and so unstable, and the goal mark keeps changing. Her goal mark kept changing. We're doing this, and now we're doing this. And then 200 people were cut out. So by 24, let's see, um, sorry, by age 18, my sister and I, well, I'm jumping ahead a little. By age 16, they had already started picking us up from school. So there was actual trafficking. So that we would go right to the temple afterwards and be in complete control. We would be shown inappropriate films. Um, all kinds of strange grooming behavior had started. I didn't realize. My mother, on the other hand, was at work. She expected us to be at home during that time. <laughs> okay. So they were sneaking behind her back. Okay. Let's mm-hmm. just um, just clarify that. So so um, at 14, you're, you said that they were starting to groom you and your sister mm-hmm. by 16 mm-hmm. they're now picking yeah. you up from school and without bringing permission. you without permission from your mother um taking you to Correct. this temple is it or this place um and showing Correct. you Absolutely. inappropriate films and things like that okay uh-huh and conversations to force us to feel very uncomfortable and we are so yeah. young we don't know what's going on we're just looking at each other like <laughs> <laughs> but but no one else this is the cult inside the set the religion so no one else who hasn't been brought into the inner circle knows this sex cult's going on however they're subject to things like forced vaccination broken up marriages um what i've learned is a term called sexual disorientation where the master knows you're straight they can see what your preferences are and they recommend that you now are not you are going to date a woman. This went on. (laughs) This went on. And you, of course, I know you're both knowledgeable, but a layman listening would go, why would anyone agree to that? Well, not at first. It's not the first day, (laughs) right? It's just Mm -hmm. noticeable differences to the point where you've lost it. You've lost your autonomy. Now, we never had our autonomy, the kids, as yourself, Stephen. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. you know, 
you're you're programmed from birth, so there's no um, there's no leeway until you get out and you begin to reprogram yourself. But but uh, hmm. the adults had clearly been convinced this person was special, gifted, was the now channeling Donato, who's the Christ. Oh, that's by the way, love has one did the same thing. The leader dies, and then someone else starts channeling them. Gotta keep that grift going. Check out witnessunderground.com about artists who've escaped cults. We have three different forms of journalism from a film, a YouTube series, and a podcast. The podcast is very active. We're launching season two, January 2023. And the story link on that site talks about the body of work that we've already created and what we're continuing to create, the mission, the intention, and our artist grant application where you can submit to take home $1,000 to work on your art project on the topic. The only criteria would be that you have a great idea, that our panel awards, but also that you have some association with this particular religion, Jehovah's Witnesses, at some point in your life. doesn't matter how long it's been. And we also have a blog, a regular writing series. The press has been really interesting. When we did our film festival run in 2021, we got a lot of press. We are on a lot of radio programs and a lot of podcasts. And you can see all of that content there, which is really exciting. And it's fun to have launched this new website. And the art page will have shortly all of our products we have for sale from t-shirts to the music from all the bands in the film to artists who are actively making new music that we've highlighted on the podcast and films that you can watch from other activists. It's an exciting time to be launching the grant and the new site and the film. That should be out in April. We're launching it. The target date for release is ahead of the Jehovah's Witness holiday that they call the Memorial and the Jewish people call the Passover event. So April 4th is the actual date, and we are shooting for ahead of that for a public release, ideally on ad-based services such as Tubi for you to watch. So stay stay ahead of that pay attention to the website subscribe on the website subscribe to the youtube channel and search on youtube for witness underground podcast that's where we've been launching everything we have just launched on buzzsprout as a distribution so we should be on spotify shortly thank you so much for following like subscribe share as much as you can and let any artist that you know who has any affiliation with this religion that they can apply for the thousand dollar grant that we are putting together as a goodwill to the community and an exciting way to bring new art to the community that is part of the healing process thanks for sticking around and check out witnessunderground.com if you're enjoying the podcast you can support it by becoming a patron you can support the podcast for just £1 or $1.50 and receive a variety of Patreon benefits as a thank you. Don't forget to share the podcast, follow, like, subscribe and rate the podcast on the podcast app you're using. A review is particularly helpful as it gets us recognised by new listeners. And finally, if you'd like to reach out to us and tell us about some court hacking you've been involved in or you just want to say hi, you can do so by going to courthackers.com and using the contact form. We love hearing from our court hackers. Thank you for listening and now back to the podcast. I was just thinking, so I know this is backtracking, but it's just it came up sure. um, when you're talking about going through your, um, to write your book. So obviously you started kind of going through the mm-hmm. timeline and things like that. Um, I was just wondering, because we've spoken to other people that have written as well. Um, and I was just thinking from your point of view, um, would you see say that sort of writing a book has helped um, you know, in terms of writing through it, have you found that like a beneficial thing to do, writing through things? So like, 
is it something that if someone said they've gone through similar things you'd say writing it out was helpful um, and almost like a sort of way to go through it in your own mind in your own time do you find that such a great point because I have decided I'm going to help people do that even if it's not for publish okay. mm-hmm. it's that amazing like if you can see because simply writing the you know what I did to begin with Celine I just wrote every year mm-hmm. of my life on a line yeah starting with the year I was born just the year the 19 whatever I'm not gonna say no I'm just kidding I'm old. <laughs> 1966 there it is <laughs> so so every single year I wrote the most significant thing that happened right next to the year just to see what I came up with to begin with I know that not everyone starts a memoir like that but there was so much it, it it revealed one thing that was really disappointing, which was there was a lot of black periods. It makes me verklempt. It, it's one of the things I'm here for to find out what happened. We've got black holes in our timelines. And you don't even know that because you're like so busy covering them up and trying to fit into society. When I decided, okay, like this is over. I'm not covering spit up. I'm not trying to fit in. I'm trying to get some answers now. And I reconciled with mom. Oh, what a blessing God is. Oh, what a blessing. And my mom and I are sitting here like, when did they drop you out of high school? We don't know. We literally were tricked on each end to not know that my sister and I didn't finish ninth and 10th grade because of these people. Um, So then I later, you know, Spoiler alert, I do get out. <laughs> but but by the time I get out, I have to get the GED. And mm-hmm. I didn't even realize what I was robbed of. And this is another thing that's so, so disappointing. And why I want to speak up is that children are robbed of their education. Where would that ever be necessary to belong to a religion? And so, so the timeline... Like, literally, for me, it told me what happened to me. And no one can take that away because I just sat in a room. I was like, well, here we are in this lockdown. Let's get her done. You know, it's been a talk. It's been on my to-do list. And simply going through the timeline, it will really shock some survivors. Even if you're not a cult survivor and you would like to find out something about your life you know, that you just can't put your hand on, you know, put it, put the society's judgment aside and sit down in a room by you. Let me tell you, writing is an amazing experience. And I, I've been a writer um, mm-hmm. since my twenties, but, but I never ventured to write about myself. It was definitely different. And I also heard some interviews from the man who, one of the guys who survived Larry Ray his experience is talking about trauma writing and how difficult it can really be because you relive it. But let me tell you, mm-hmm. I'm glad I did. I walked through it. It was like a, it was like a desert just walking through it by myself. Cause no one can really do that for you. It's certainly mm-hmm. personal. And uh, yeah, so it, my mom and I actually got answers that benefited my sister uh, my twin, not my half sister, but my twin as well, which was that, um, yeah, they they had us in a seclusive 
situation, secluded situation, excuse me. And that started at 16. And then we just never went back to school. I don't know how it would work in the UK, but they never called. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's kind of like, well, she must've went to another school district or something. The, right. the so you, so that you literally stayed in the, in the mm-hmm. temple from now on in the uh, place yes. of religious worship. We didn't go back to school at all. Correct. Okay. We were. What, what about your home? Did you go back to, to yes. did you go back to your home with it your mum? It was mom? a block away. So you were between your mum and the, the, the place. Okay. And they were literally running down the clock until we were 18 and they could kick her to the curb, which they did. Pretty cynical, right? What, what do you mean by that, Frankie? Well, well, at 16, we were dropped out of school and we went home every night and mm-hmm. we had very little contact with yeah. mom. She didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what she was doing. And she was told by the man, the master, stay out of it. This is not your business. So like a thug, like a, a mob boss or something. You know, mm-hmm. it's so strange to look back at. And then, but yeah, we lived a block away. They had already done that by age 11. Okay get everyone right, and okay. m- not just us but multiple members as close as possible also jewish religion does the same i think you've probably heard about that but mm-hmm. you'll live within one mile of the temple for if you're truly a, okay. a dedicated servant so we did and then um we would be doing all our activities which were unknown to my mom and go home and repeat until age 18 at that time, it would be 1984, and Sri Donato said she had paid off the balloon payment for the entire city block, which they still own, and 200 people were going to get kicked out. One of them was my mother. That's it. They literally told us to, during the day, bring your belongings over here, <laughs> nothing more, and then they kicked her out at night, and talk about a traumatic abandonment for both three parties um it was awful and my sister uh, didn't even say goodbye to my mom because she was really wanting to be beholden and i did do the courtesy of going and saying goodbye to mom and it's like what do you say i am still brainwashed gotta go um pretty much what i said Mm. so so they they kicked you out they sorry they kicked your mum out Mm -hmm. of the religion altogether. The church. Correct. Out of the church. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So 200 people, including your mother, they right. excommunicate them. Is that is that right? Have I got that Correct. right? That seems a really strange piece of behaviour. So that's unlike most cults, isn't it? That's unlike... <laughs> I don't know. Um good question because like everyone thought they they had reached their spiritual death they were still all programmed and it was pretty brutal Mm -hmm. right and my mom was one of them and of course within a few months she said oh this was all crap and i'm in trouble and she would Mm -hmm. sit out in her car on the curb to watch us coming and going which was very rarely i lived in that compound for six years never went to one doctor's appointment okay Mm. just it was like it was total enslavement i became a sex slave after age 18 i was then pushed to go with this female instructor and this female instructor and this female instructor this was my new position 
so to speak. Mm-hmm. I must make jokes sometimes. But uh, yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> Handmaid's Tale, please. Been there, survived mm-hmm. it. So yeah, my sister and I were little twin dolls for these people. Quite brutal, you know. Mm-hmm. With a smile. So that's the the um, the tactic was to get rid of so I'm just trying to understand what they were getting out of the parent, of yeah. so they get can rid do of the what parents. they want with you. Yeah. yeah, is that was that? Yeah, yeah. It, it was amazing how aggressively they disarmed her, and, and yeah. when she said you're grounded, when it became too much one time, and she was called in by the clergy and said, "You do not interfere with the master's work." And then she was like, "I'm in trouble. I'm surrounded." I'm outnumbered. It truly became a hostile situation. And so and so you think, well, then we're precious, right? We're very important to them. Okay, let me illustrate how not, how we're an asset. We're a physical asset. A person in Long Beach, uh, this made quite the news, okay? 86 or 7 is the time frame. A person was getting recruited so hard by Morningland that his brother, her brother, excuse me, so it was a woman, her brother became angry with Morningland and decided he was going to stop the recruitment. How? He planted a bomb. This scenario is so amazing because I was sleeping on the second floor illegally as they housed my sister and I at this compound with about four other people that didn't have a, a, it's not a, it's a commercial zoning, you know, it's not exactly Hmm. residential. Hmm. And we, we certainly didn't have good amenities, but um, yeah. So we were just little slaves sleeping on premise, doing what we're told, getting very little sleep. And one day um, I was awakened quite early and it's very foggy out. And this woman named, uh, Gopi Saravati, also named Peggy. Um, outside noise. Um, comes to wake me up. Gotta get up, gotta get up. What's going on? So I hustle some clothes on. She gets my sister and I and puts us across the street. We begin to watch an unfolding of the bomb squad, the fire department, the police coming. I, I'm half... A, a street away. I'm watching it from across the street. This is where they placed us because we're not supposed to be there, right? Come to find out a man had put a bomb between the crack of two buildings of this place. The only reason it didn't go off is because it was drizzling rain. And huh. it dudded. But it was a full set of explosives. When he realized as he drove away it didn't go off was quite covered in the news. He turned around and came back. <laughs> he had another setup to do it again. That's when he was caught. What's really, hi- I want to highlight here how we're just a sack of potatoes to a cult. Okay. All of us. Um, they put us across the street while two miles around were being evacuated or two blocks or two miles. I think it was two miles. The bomb squad had everyone evacuated, but because my sister and I were not supposed to exist, we didn't know not exist in society anymore, little slaves. We were hidden across the street 
within the range of the bomb explosion the whole time. You know, I was so stupid. I wouldn't know what that meant. But later, they took these explosives that the man left there and took them to the beach and exploded it. And it was all over the news. It rocked the whole neighborhood. I could have died that day because of their neg- severe negligence. And there's multiple times. How old were you at this this age? How old were you at this time, Frankie? 18 or 19. So you're, you're separated from your mother. Did, did you see anything of her? Did you go back to see her or stay with her or anything like that? Or no. were you completely separated from her? It was shunning. Shunning. Really? 100%. Wow. Shunning. Complete abandonment. Mm-hmm. So, how long did this Complete. go on for then, with you and your sister? How long did that, that did that go on for? So it went on until I was twenty-two. So I I was able to um, leave, but she left first because she started asking questions about the sexual abuse, and they were like, "We need to usher her out." So they uh, they kind of, I really don't know what to say. Uh, they gave her a soft landing, but not really. It's just that she had a job and money. Um, somehow we had already been fully separated by, so I was in the church and she was down the street and in, in essence. And when she left, when we were separated, I was then left there by myself. <laughs> Nothing like that feeling of completely alone. Like I was alone, 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 alone. And with the crazies. And so, so it really like, for me, the gloves came off, like, I need to watch my step. This is getting dangerous. And it would be at that Mm. time during that time that I was then, you know, pretty violently raped by the female leader. (laughs) Didn't expect that. How could it get worse? I thought, you know, and then it was, Mm. it was pretty close after that, Mm. like a year and a half of leaving and coming back because I didn't have anywhere to go and I couldn't find my family. We didn't have a cell phone back then. I know, Celine, that is something you can't even imagine right now. Like, we're so used to, like, anyone has a cell phone in the area, right? We didn't have access to phones. We didn't have access to any of that. So so I was really stuck there. And then that would go on until 22. and, And until one day, my mom was given up too because she couldn't really see us leave the place and we didn't get in contact until many years after both my sister and I had left but one day I found my sister's uh, address in the phone book and I said this is getting so bad I've got to get out of here to myself and I got a dollar and I walked out and I caught the bus and I was greeted on the way out by the spiritual leader called Sri Donato and said, well, who's going to watch the kids you were just watching? That was it. It's rough. You know, <laughs> you don't care about me. Not even a goodbye. Okay. This is what I know that the leaders really feel and think. And this is one thing I want to make clear to people. They're mm. not charismatic. That's all a show. They're just using people, right? And so, yeah, so, and the story's a little bit, it's a bit crazy. I go on this bus, and the first time that being a twin ever really benefited me is about to happen. I go on this bus Mm -hmm. to Dana Point, which is part of California. Someone who knows my sister sees me and says, oh, hey. I said, oh, wow. Uh, No, I'm not her. 
this uh, my sister's name. Oh, do you know her? Uh, where, well, where is she? Well, she works over here. Do you want to stay in my van overnight until she gets to work? I was like, okay. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, back like great move there. Wow. Okay. So this guy feeds me top ramen. We just sit in his van and he takes me to my sister's work and I then find my sister and live with her from then on. And I leave the cult. That's <laughs> how so I got out. Wow. And how old were you then, Frankie? Then I would be 22. Wow. That, so so you, you end up, um, I know you, you've, you wanted to talk, Celine, about about the family. Do you want to ask Frankie about family? Yeah, so issues? it was it, it was just to say, like, obviously, so you go, what, how many years is it? Four years without speaking to your mother because of the way that they orchestrated things. Um, could you, Correct. I guess, talk a little bit about that experience of, like, reconnecting and, like, how do you even go about that or did you at what point did you feel ready for that as a process because I imagine that's quite a difficult thing to go through it is it is um I think because you say as you say they orchestrated it to make it feel like a rejection of my mother too and it wasn't she was torn apart obviously and um yeah so there were several points then after I left I wanted to be alone but my sister had already connected to my sister Uh, to my mom. And she encouraged me to come over and I was just reluctant and reserved at all of the get togethers. Um, I looked at both of them as people who had abandoned me in the cult Mm. because they did, they left physically, whether, you know, circumstance being what it is, these Mm. are the feelings we're left with and they may not be the truth. Um, because they didn't set out to say, well, I'm going to abandon you. Right. Mm -hmm. And they know that this is why I think it's so like landmines are set up to destroy us for the rest of our relationship. Because if we come together, we're going to start talking about our experience quite simply. They wouldn't want that because these are religious criminals pulling off a lot of grift. So, you know, they get money, they get sex, they get property, <laughs> they got motives, they got goals in life. Right. So it's it was quite traumatic because having a mistrust of your parent goes to the fundamental core of who you are. I know if, Stephen, I don't know if you're a Jungian or if you're a Freudian or neither, but mm-hmm. as you know, <laughs> we do have our identity wrapped up in our parents. And I started reading a lot of material about that. And I realized how they tormented me with my parent to, to use your mother against you like, like this. I realized it was a mess, but I didn't want to deal with it. And to be very honest, Celine, I couldn't handle the reconnection. It kind of breaks your heart to, to say that. Like, you can't even be with your mom. Okay, mission accomplished. Yeah, mother efforts. So, um, I moved all around. I, I there's this song by Stick Figure. Um, some of this is so poetic for some reason. I don't understand how trauma is so poetic, but uh, but maybe it's just the human experience. It's in general. This song by Stick Figure mm. Band I really love. 
uh, he, he says, you know, um, should it start coming, but the voices in my head, they won't stop. I keep running and I'm running and I'm running and I, they can't catch up. And I thought that would work. <laughs> I thought if I keep running, I keep dancing, I keep drinking, I keep cavorting. You know, this stuff would just be in the distance. And for, for some reason, it was, it worked. You can mask a lot with alcohol. <laughs> I tried that and I was a blackout drunk for a bit. And, uh, and you know, and then I, it, I was in Vegas and I, and this is how the book opens. I was in Vegas and I was trying to get my burlesque show on stage. I was a producer. I was really thinking this is going to be a big opportunity. And I had a breakdown where my past just slapped me in the face. And it was like, we've got other plans for you. I said, damn, this is not right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is inconvenient. And it really was inconvenient. Like what Al Gore, inconvenient truth. I mean, seriously, now? <laughs> I just sat and looked at the mirror and went, now life, really? And I was so close to dying that day. And I made it, you know, I made it on the other, I'm here, mm -hmm. I made it too. Yeah, and it, that's fantastic that that you're able to do that. And I think it's um, it's funny. I was just editing yeah. um, the podcast that's coming out next, um, and like we record mm -hmm. quite a bit in advance, so you sort of forget some of what's said. And then I was listening back to it. Um, oh yeah. And the interviewee there was saying, you know, she thought that she she'd got through it. You know, she she was one of those people that just had moved on, yes. and. Mm -hmm. um, you know that how great yep. she was that she was able to do that um and i think i think a lot of us have experienced that where you you just want to leave it behind you just want to get on with your life and you just want yep. to do things and Anything. and even people that haven't experienced that almost you know they they tell you that's what you've got to do just get on with your life forget about what happened in the past uh, and they mean well and i'm not saying that you should dwell upon everything all the time but mm -hmm. um, there is some there is some reckoning that, in a way, I think is important to mm -hmm. to do for a time, and then okay, I can make sense of what's what's happened. Um, just before I come back to you, um, Frankie, you mentioned about identity. Um, so you talked about Jungian or Freudian sort of. Um, I'm neither of those, um, <laughs> but um, I do think the question of identity is such an important one we've we've talked about it a lot on the podcast and i know celine you you want us to re revisit that in a big way and, and i do too because i think it's such an important question because when you're raised in a group mm -hmm. um your identity is is very much enmeshed with the identity that this group has uh formed for you really so it's it's and it's very difficult to unpick that um and i think it's uh it, it's perhaps the most difficult and important job that we do when we leave a cult is to find a way of making sense of ourselves um, and lots of different people describe it in different ways um, but I think it's about telling a story about who we are and that helps us to make sense of our identity 
And that's that's essentially what we're doing, I think, in these podcasts. And what you're doing is you're helping yourself and others to make sense of that experience and who you are. And that's just my view. But, you know. It's, it's totally amazing. And it's something you could want to avoid the rest of your life if you can get away with it, you know, and, but I, I yeah. would like to say that, yeah. uh, you know, time means nothing at all. Um, when we're going through these things, time means nothing. It just sits there and waits for us to address it. And so when yes. I turned my yeah. thinking towards yeah. my parent in Vegas and I said, look, I've got to, t- to tell you something. It's like, I've, I had waited 25 years. Cause I said to myself, this will kill her. This will kill her if I tell her what really happened. That as soon as she was kicked out, we were we were totally abused. And you know, um, I I didn't have a choice. It was kind of like oozing out of me somehow. I just don't understand how we can sit on it, and then all of the sudden we can no longer sit on it. But it happened. Maybe you can explain that to me, Stephen, with your knowledge. (laughs) I think it's honestly, I believe it's one of those areas that we are still trying to understand how, how that all works. Mm. Uh, I, you know, I'm not a counselor, I'm not um, a therapist. So Mm -hmm. I, uh, my branch of psychology is really trying to understand how the mind works and how we make sense of our world. I think trying to recover from trauma and understand um, how to find a way back from that is, is is actually very very difficult but yeah i I think it as i said i I do believe for me this is my personal opinion um that it is all about a sense making process we have to make sense of who we are um and part of our history is in that group um and if we try and pretend it wasn't then it's almost like we're we're denying part of ourselves Mm. So we we have to mm-hmm. find a way of of creating a, a thread, a story that runs through all of our lives, including that stuff, um, and still seeing us as the same person, albeit somebody that's grown and developed and improved and left behind a lot of the beliefs and ideas that we had. Um, and it's like a balancing act. Um, and it's a way of finding a a narrative, a story that we can tell about that. Um, so that's, for me, Definitely. that's the way, that's the way it works for, as far as I'm concerned. If you can believe this, I, I'm still answering your question. Uh, I then face my parent for the first time and tell her that I was sexually abused in a cult. My sister had never told her either. That was what led me to feel utter rejection from her. So then if you can believe this with all the separation we've had, I go and do not speak to her for seven years from 14 to 21 to 20. So six and a half straight. I'm like, she had said, you need to forgive me about what happened in the cult. And I was like, well, then you need to know what happened. Oops. You didn't want to know? Okay. Well, she really wasn't prepared for it as I had worried about. 
And I, I actually did a whole episode called telling your parents to try to help others. Do not do this. Kids don't do this at home because (laughs) you're going to need a car standing by and backup because it's upsetting (laughs) to them. It's topples their Mm. world and they're going to need time to think about this. I didn't give her that. I was in her face. I was really upset. You know, that's important. It's Mm. really, so, so then, so then the forced intimacy of the pandemic brought us together. It didn't take with my sister, but it took with my mom. We had the sit downs. We had the cries. We had the timelines. She said she'd help me with my book. I'm like, this is more than I could have ever dreamed of. Just to reconnect with my mom. We all are, you know, deserve this. And it's taken away. Some people never even get back. So I feel so fortunate. Even like I could die happy now. I'm not going to, but I'm just saying that's more than I ever thought could take place with the amount, you know, of trauma. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. 